All right. What is going on, everybody? Welcome back to another day of Saber Sims DFS office hours. It is Thursday, February 22nd of 2024 here. NBA is back. PGA is back. PGA teed off earlier this morning. We have a big 10-game NBA classic slate today, as well as an 11-game NHL slate. So it should be a fun day of DFS. Uh, for those of you who are new here, welcome. My name is Andrew. I'm one of the coaches over here at SaberSim. This is a show where we go over how to use the SaberSim app, answer any and all DFS-related questions. You get your questions in one of three ways here. First off, send us an email, support at sabersim.com. Second, post it live in the YouTube chat. Third way, post it in the Office Hours channel in our Discord server. And if you're not in our Discord and want to get access to that channel, there is a link in the description of this video. You get access to our similar channels, individual sport channels, and you get access to the rest of the SaberSim team here. So apologies for, for no camera here. was having some issues before I got up and running. Even my backup camera wasn't working. So we're going to go camera list here, but I am here. Hope you guys can all hear me just fine. I made sure that you guys should be able to. And I have the screen up, so I'm ready to rock and roll. I'm happy NBA is back. If you guys missed it, we released a big update to our NBA Sims. Uh, you could find that over in the Discord channel in announcements. Matt um, like wrote about it, so I'll just bring it up on screen for you guys. So Matt said earlier today we rolled out a huge update to the NBA Sims. Details below, short version, the range of outcomes and correlations for projected minutes in the Sim are now much more accurate, which will improve all aspects of the app, especially contest sim results. So I'm going to read the short version. You guys can go into the announcements in Discord and check out the long version. Uh, but it seems like a super cool update. Huge shout out to our models team for figuring that out and getting that update uh, live for the second half of the NBA season here. So I'm super excited about it. I can't wait to start using it and see what results change here. So uh, check that out if you guys missed it. But for our first question of the day, we actually got a question in from Twitter. So I wanted to get this one in here and get this one answered. Question was risk adjusted ROI. Well, basically, is risk-adjusted ROI the best way to rank lineups? Using it, I do a lot of break-even and very minor losses. Also, is there a video that explains how to tell good chalk from bad chalk? I feel like I'm a few minor adjustments away every night. Okay, so want to talk a little bit about payout structure here. So first thing is that if you are breaking even or barely losing, that means that you are probably winning. And the reason for that is that most contests are raked 15% if you're playing in the higher stakes, those are raked about 10%. So say you're playing a $100 single entry. Well, as soon as the slate locks and if that contest fills, that contest is worth, uh, your entry in that contest is now worth $85 instead of $100. So, you know, right off the bat, you are taking $15 away from your entry. So if you break even, that means that you won that $15 back. You won that 15%. So although, you know, it, it may be like, hey, I'm breaking even. Like, hey, you, you are actually showing that you have a winning process because you are beating the rake. So that's the first th thing to profit, right? You got to beat the rake and then you have to profit further, right? So then you need to take that next step, right? And that's kind of what you're looking for. So, you know, going away from risk-adjusted ROI really isn't the way to do that in, in my opinion, 
Um, I think that, you know, it's a really strong sorting metric, you know, because what risk adjusted ROI does is it looks at all of the other contests and metrics and then gives the lineup a score based on all the other findings, right? So I'm going to kick off a build here. Uh, we do have a really good video in our support to, uh, support documentation on risk adjusted ROI. So you can go in here, search for RAROI. And then it says, you know, what do ROI and risk adjusted ROI mean? Just kind of talking about some of the differences there. So this is a really good uh, article. going to drop it here in the chat. So I would check this out sometime. And, you know, I can just probably just end these lineups. So let's let these lineups load. I'm going to go over to the contest tab and set us up a contest sim. All right. So lineups are loaded. Going to kick off my contest sim just so I have those sorting metrics just so we can kind of talk about them a little bit. Go over here to the right. Make sure I can see my exposures, which are just the percentage that these players are in my own lineups here. So when I do this, you know, I'm, I'm basically just trying to kind of demonstrate the, the different contests and metrics and just kind of show you guys like how this all works here. So let's just let this finish. All right. Contest sim is finished now. So I go into my metrics, right? I go to my contest sim. I open it up. You know, I have six options here. ROI, risk adjusted ROI, win rate, cash rate, ROI standard deviation, and dupes. So basically everything here except for risk adjusted ROI comes directly from when the contest sim is running. So ROI describes you know, the total amount of money won divided by the entry fees. The win rate is, hey, how many times in our 100,000 contest sims did this lineup actually take first place? And then cash rate is how often did it get in the money? ROI standard deviation is basically describing like, you know, the lineup has a distribution as well. And then from the distribution, you could describe it as a standard deviation. And then the dupes looks at, hey, you know, how many times was this lineup? in the set of field lineups that we used when we ran the contest sim, right? So then what risk-adjusted ROI does, it's the omega ratio of the lineup, which effectively just looks at how often the lineup wins and how much it wins versus how much the lineup loses and how often it loses and then gives it like a score based on that. So a good example is like you could have two lineups that are both 100% ROI. Well, one of them could bink the contest three times and never cash again, the other one could bink the contest once and then have a bunch of other high percentile finishes uh, where they both get to 100% ROI, but they both get there in very different ways. So our RAROI is going to understand, hey, this first lineup that, that won three times and never cashed again is really high variance, while the other lineup is probably a less variant uh, lineup overall, and that second lineup would grade out better. So that's why we think risk-adjusted ROI is the superior sorting metric here. And then your second question of, you know, is there a, there a video that explains, you know, how to tell good chalk from bad chalk? Uh, we, we don't really have something like that. You know, it's, this is a little bit more art than science at the end of the day. I think that like one thing that you could do here is go into your, um, go into your build that you ran, you know, sort by highest projected ownership and then go and compare the ownership percentages to the pool exposure. So the pool exposure are going to tell you, hey, how often did this player come up in, you know, all the lineups that we ran here? And so in my opinion, you know, Keontae George and Benedict Mathurin 
you know, they're, they're two of the highest owned players on the slate. I haven't looked at the slate at all. I don't know who's in, who's out, whatever, but they're both coming up in a ton of the pool. So way higher than their ownership. So like, although they're the highest owned, you know, the, the Saber Sim is bringing them into your lineup so often that I think they're fine. So I would call them like good chalk. And then Nemhard here, like 25% owned, but he's only in about, you know, 7% of the pool, which is like way, way, way lower. You know, he, he would probably be somebody I'd be a little more concerned about, you know, probably on like the lower side of, of like closer to bad chalk. Right. But I haven't looked into this at all. You know, I think that's like another important thing is like kind of trying to reverse engineer, like, Hey, why is this guy chalk? And when you can come up with a story that makes sense, then that's another good way of saying like, Hey, you know, okay, I get it. I understand why this guy is chalk. So like, let's just like do an example. I go to Indy and I'm just going to sort by projection here. So Aaron Neesmith is out. So like, it looks like what we're expecting is like, Hey, Neesmith is out. Mathurin is just going to like fill in for him basically like kind of one for one. You can look at their positions, right? Neesmith is a shooting guard, small forward, Benedict Mathurin, small, uh, shooting guard slash small forward as well. He's cheaper salary. So, you know, Mathurin usually comes off the bench. So it looks like, hey, Neesmith is out. Mathurin is in the starting lineup. Boom, that's where the value in this extra usage is coming from. That's where the ownership projection comes from. That makes sense to me. Andrew Nemhard, as an example, like, okay, he's a point guard slash shooting guard. You know, it's not like Halliburton is out or anything. So, you know, why is why is he getting, you know, kind of this, this love? Maybe they're thinking that, he might benefit as well, but it looks like Mathurin is like the primary beneficiary and Nemhard may be like a secondary beneficiary from Neesmith being out. So he just seems, you know, not like he, maybe he doesn't warrant as much ownership. So kind of like going through that process and trying to figure out, Hey, why are these people chalk? Does it make sense? Can help you to like raise some red flags of figuring out what is good chalk and what is bad chalk. So I would try that out. All right, so that was a good question. That one came in from Twitter, so we will get a timestamp recording back over to you uh, so you can check that out. And then I am going to jump into the Discord here. So over in the Office Hours channel, it looks like our first question came in from Dice Hawk here. So I'm going to get this one in the queue. Question says, what is the best way to edit a subset of your lineup that you've already built pre-tourney. For example, say I've built 100 lineups across six different contests using a single build. I do more research, and I want to get more of player one and player two into some of my lineups. What's the best way to edit 10 of my lineups across multiple contests to get more of a particular player in these lineups while leaving the remaining lineups the same? Uh, well, this is like such a specific question. I mean, this one's, this one's really tough. What I would do is figure out which contest you want these 10 lineups to go into and probably just do a new build. So, so, so say I had, say I had a hundred lineups, right? So this build one, you know, I have a hundred lineups and there are for these specific, you know, six contests that you said, right? 
Well then, Hey, let's say that, you know, I want to go and do 10 lineups different for a new set. So what I would honestly do is probably go to, you know, we, we said that you said that we're pre slate here, right? Pre turning. So I would, I would open up a new build. I would run a new set of lineups and then, you know, say that, you know, I run my new set of lineups, whatever. So I'm going to act like build one is a new set of lineups. Now I would go in here and then I would do this new build and I would change the number of my lineups to 10. And then when I would go to save to my contest, I would just only check the 10 lineups, the contest that has the 10 lineups that these are going to go into. And you would effectively need a contest that only has 10 entries in it, or you would need, you know, 10 single entries or, you know, three, three maxes and a single entry or like you would need the number to fit perfectly is basically what I'm saying into one or multiple contests. But that is probably going to be the best way to do it. And then is a use save to my contest, uncheck all the contests that you don't want this to affect, and then submit this for, uh, you know, fill your lineups into the one contest or the multiple contests that basically equal 10 entries is how I would do it. All right. Next question here from Atlanta, Atlanta Braves fan. Question says, say I'm maxing both the low stakes, 150 MMEs on FanDuel, the piggy bank, and the fadeaway. Is it best to do one build with 300 lineups or two separate builds with 150 each and risk duplication across contests? Uh, I would just do one build of 300. That's kind of what we suggest in the DFS profit plan is, you know, one build for your single entries and three maxes, one build for your 20 max and 150, entering a unique lineup into each entry. So in this case, I would just do one build and do 300 lineups and that's exactly how I do it in my own process. All right. Question from Henry. Henry said yesterday you talked about when to rebuild for NHL, but it was more about late swap. What about pre-lock and the updated Sims that happened like 10 minutes before lock? Would you update just if line one changes? Uh, yeah. So this is probably like uh, really, really similar is that, you know, and a lot of these Sims like kind of kick off late, you know, unless somebody gets ruled out, then you probably don't want to do it because a lot of those changes are like minor adjustments to like lower lines. But if you see something like very, very like clear and obvious where, you know, a, uh, a power play line one changes or something that you determine can like significantly impact the slate. Cause I'm just like not an NHL expert then I would take action. But otherwise, if, if you know, Sims are running and, and you can't really see why, chances are it's probably very low impact and I would just leave it alone. Uh, Atlanta Brayson said, thanks for the answer. Yeah, man, happy to help out. No worries. No problem at all. That is what I'm here for. All right, Hiker Willie said, when there is only time to run one Sim for a build with multiple contests, which contest sim should I choose? Maybe the one for the contest with more entries, highest payout, or other factor. Thank you. Yeah, good question. So the way I like to handle this is one of two things. Either, number one, the highest entry fees, whatever contest I have the most entry fees in. Or number two is, like, the contest that I care the most about or that has, like, the biggest price to first. So usually, you know, if you're – kind of those things are, like, similar. Like, if you're playing – the quarter 20, the $1 20 and the $4 20. Well, guess what? The $4 20 is going to have the most entry fees 
and the biggest price to first. So like those things kind of go hand in hand, but, but yeah, I would, I would follow one of those guidelines, highest payout or highest entry fees usually will be uh, one of the right answers. If not the same answer. All right. Good question. Jumping over to the YouTube chat question from Joseph said you're inherently lowering the total portfolios risk adjusted ROI when using min uniques. Why is that? Or is it optimal compared to just entering in the top 20 to 150 top risk adjusted ROI lineups based off one min unique? Okay, good question. So you're correct that, you know, when you run your build and you're on min uniques one, you're going to have the 10 highest ROI lineups, risk adjusted ROI lineups, whatever metric you're using, right? I'll use ROI because it's, it's simple. So what you're doing when you start to increase min uniques is you are trading diversification for ROI. And the reason that we think that is okay to do is just because of the sheer variance in DFS. Um, Elusive Smoke actually talked about this a lot. If you guys missed it, uh, we released a really cool YouTube video yesterday or the day before here where um, we interviewed Elusive Smoke on his Millie Maker win here. So you guys can catch this over on the YouTube channel. It's uh, how he won $1 million on FanDuel. This is Spencer, Elusive Smoke, talking about his process. Uh, there's a section in here called Understanding Variance in Risk in DFS. It's in you know the, the scroll bar here where you can see that, that he'll talk about it himself. It's also, I believe it should be timestamped here, Understanding Variance in Risk in DFS. And he talks about you know how high the variance is and how crazy it is. So... Um, it was really cool to hear from somebody who, you know, won a million dollars and talked about a little bit about their process and their thoughts. So I would definitely uh, watch this video. If you guys haven't already, I'll drop it here in the chat. Just so everybody has access to that. But, but it goes, it kind of goes back to that, right? So what, so one of the best things that you could have is a set of lineups that are neutrally correlated where the, outcome of one lineup doesn't have a significant impact on the outcome of your other lineups. So the builder is like really is it's, it's not great at that inherently, right? It'll identify these spots where it thinks that the plays are just so good and it'll just kind of jam them in. And then like, that's kind of what leads to the higher ROI. So what can happen in mini uniques of one is like, you know, if there's eight players in this lineup, you know, you could share seven out of eight players in a lineup. So if, you know, one guy does bad, one guy gets hurt, you know, a lot, your lineups are highly correlated. It's like what you're going to see is like, you're going to see these very tight kind of um, batches of like lineups in your standings where they're just kind of all together as opposed to being like more spread out through the slate. And I actually, I, I, I built some lineups for NASCAR on for Daytona, which is like literally the only day I play NASCAR. And I used a pretty high min uniques. And I saw something super cool and I actually sent it to Jordan. And so I, I actually have the photo right here. So, so these are lineups that I built for, for NASCAR for Daytona. And I used a mini uniques of, I think four and the, you know, there's only six players in the lineup. Frankly, I was like super surprised how I could even get to four in the first place, but because Daytona's crash heavy, because, you know, um, it's just, it's just a wild race. It's really good to like get super spread out. So like, this is the effect that mini uniques of four had on my lineup set where like I took it out like the beginning of the race, but like 
you can see like, hey, I have like a set of lineups on the left, and then I have like a set of lineups in the middle, and then I have like a set of lineups on the right. And and like that is kind of the impact that mini neeks can have on your lineups where it's not all on the right. It's not all on the left. It's it's really just kind of spread out through the entire contest because you're guaranteeing that diversification by saying, no, each lineup must have X players different from every other lineup in your set. So like that is the effect that you get. And, you know, variance in DFS is higher than basically any other form of gambling that I'm aware of, uh, poker, sports betting, pot limit, Omaha, et cetera here. So um, we think that the trade-off is worth it. If you had an infinite bankroll and, you know, an infinite amount of slates to play and, you know, infinite time, then yes, sorting by ROI would be better. But the truth is, you know, most of us are working within bankroll constraints, within time constraints. You know, there's only so many slates to play. Uh, look at like an NFL season. So it's really important to account for the risk, manage the variance as best as you can. And that's why we feel ROI and mini uniques are one of the best ways to do that. All right, Noah said, for NHL, what is the difference in the 20 max between the 1 and 20 ranked lines for which teams will be stacked? Really interested in getting better at NHL. Stacking seems to be important. So I would definitely agree that, you know, stacking is very, very important in NHL. I mean, you could see that, you know, if you ever want to, like, figure out, like, hey, you know, is stacking important in this slate type? You know, one of the easiest things to do is just go to the slate and then do two things. So number one is, you know, just top up, click on the top projected player and then just go and look at their correlation values and just see like how high they are. You know, 0 0.36, 0 0.32, 0 0.19, 0 0.19. Like those are pretty high correlations. So that's going to tell you right off the bat correlation is important. And then looking at your build settings and then looking at your correlation slider and just seeing like, hey, it's, you know, it's pretty high by default. If I'm playing, you know, large field, it's at six, which is considered high here. So, you know, your first question, like, hey, what is the difference in the 20 max between the first and 20th ranked lineups uh, for which teams will be stacked? So I'm not like 100% sure exactly what you're asking there for like, as far as like the, for which teams will be stacked. It really just comes down to, you know, the way we build your lineups is we are randomly sampling each game on the slate. And at Sim Diversity 9, we're taking a few game sims for each game on the slate. So say five. So we're doing five times 11. We're playing out all of those sims. And then we're seeing how all the players did. And we're using the average of the five sims as their fantasy point outcome achieved. And then we're building the best possible lineup. And then once that lineup goes into the pool, then it gets graded by whatever sorting metric you're using. So I'm using Sabre score. So after all, you know, 500, 5,000 lineups are built, then Sabre score is going to go in and, and grade all of them. And then depending on the grade is where they fall within your rank. So, you know, the lineup in 20th can change based on, hey, are you using Sabre score? Are you using a contest sim metric? Are you using a percentile? Are you using projected score? So that's what leads to these different ranks for the lineups. But, all right. Uh, looks like we're all caught up with questions in both the uh, ones that came in via support, ones that came in via the YouTube chat, and ones that came in via the Office Hours channel. So, appreciate you guys tuning in. Sorry for not having a camera today. I will make sure to have one ready for tomorrow. But, appreciate you guys hanging out with me. 
Good luck today in the second half of the NBA season kicking off here. I'm super excited with the update. Hope you guys are too. So until tomorrow, take care, everybody. Good luck. Thanks.